in a row? Hasta la vista, baby. Go. Hey everyone, welcome back to Geek Positive, and we are ready to believe you. I am Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Ames. Ghostbusters. That's oh, why. Okay. You, I make my my big line, and then you you just blank. I didn't. I didn't get it. At first. All right. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the. I ongoing... just you got to realize I just watched Lost Boys for throbbing, so I was thinking of the saxophone man oh, song. I still God. believe that's what I thought you were doing. No, no, no. We've covered this before. I'm not a huge fan of the Lost Boys. Oh, it's so weird. Maybe I should rewatch it sometime. Maybe I don't know. Oh, it's great. But anyways, uh, we're talking about the ongoing saga of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Not much of a saga, really. It's, it's it hasn't had like a crazy drama with it or anything. Well, I'm talking about my own personal saga. You've had a saga with it, which blows my mind, because you are undoubtedly, the two of us, the bigger Ghostbusters fan. And I, as we covered before, that first teaser that came out like a decade ago left me underwhelmed. We, we have documented this, and it, apparently that really bothered you. It did. Not because like, I thought it looked amazing, but it upset me. Uh, like, I, Maxwell should love anything Ghostbusters. This, this and makes me sad that it wasn't well, getting yet. My problem with that trailer is the focus of it was on a bunch of kids, and kids are stupid, and it takes place, like, in farm country, which I hate. So that, I think I was, we're getting to New York, though. Yeah, you know, but that was the first trailer, because then after that, it was... Was there another trailer, or was it the clip of uh, Paul and there's Rudd? there's the clip of the, Paul Rudd and the tiny marshmallow men. That one came out and my excitement started to rise up a bit. Like, okay, we got little Marshmallow Man committing suicide, and Paul Rudd, it's Paul Rudd, I mean. And now the new trailer came out. I am fully on board now. Oh, good, I'm glad This trailer, I watched it at least five times. I think this, because of the fact that they made the ties to the original one much more clear, I think is why I got much more on board. They are what we were thinking. Right? Yeah, because, well, yeah, basically it's, Focusing on two kids, and then they are Egon's uh, grandchildren. Yes. And, by the way, the kids playing them, I don't know who they are, but they look like little versions of Egon. The one's Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, one of them's a Stranger Kids. Stranger Things kid. Yeah, he's uh, in Stranger Things. He's an it. He's like got a good career for himself. Already. And that other girl with the glasses just looks like a little female Egon. Like, they cast, they look like... They look like they're related to Harold Ramis. Yeah. And I guess the idea is that, you know, Egon is dead. And for some reason, he had has this mystery, like, house in the middle of nowhere that has all the old Ghostbuster stuff in it. And we get some very... Okay, spoilers for anyone that doesn't watch movie no, trailers. No, we don't do spoilers uh, for trailers. You know, we're not What there. What if P's listening? Well, P knows that we talk about trailers. Okay. Um, we get some... Special. We finally get a lot of ghost effects, very reminiscent of the first movie. I'll very. Tell you what, do you know how happy I was to see like that '80s lightning effect, but done in a modern movie, yeah. to where it's still. I don't know something about that. It caught yeah. me too when you said about the effects. That like you know, um, at the end of Return of the Jedi, yeah, like that style lightning yeah. or Ghostbusters, any of those movies when someone gets shocked and you know, yeah. that bad lightning effect. But, but seeing it done in a modern movie just looked awesome for some reason. Yeah, know, this this trailer really hit it home for me. This has gotten me on board and excited for it. I like I said, I think it's because we finally got some clarification as to how it relates to the original one. And oh, 
at the end of it where I was gonna say, did the last half a second is that what? Yeah, we're they, call, they, they they they're watching the YouTube video of the old Ghostbusters commercial, and the, the, the generic five 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 number comes up, and presumably that's the number they call, and it's at Ray at his bookstore that he owns, saying we're closed. Yeah, so I'm all I all I'm all on board now. Plus we've got uh, Janine back. I'm not sure. Uh, do you think? Do you get the, the I idea? thought that was just a clip. What do you mean? Janine being back. What do you mean? Oh, like she does a cameo? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I was, I was wondering, though, did Egon and Janine get together? She's, like, tangent. Is she the grandmother to these kids? Like, I don't know. Because they hinted at a Egon-Janine romance yeah, in the yeah, first... Yeah, she probably does have a bigger role then, so... Well, they hinted at a Janine-Egon romance in the first movie, but in the second one, there was a Janine and uh, Lewis... Yeah, you know what I'm thinking? You know what? We're all going to go crazy when we see the original Ghostbusters yeah, in that movie. They've confirmed, I think, yeah, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Ernie Hudson, even Bill Murray, and uh, and Sigourney Weaver. You know Bill Murray's fun. It's like, you know what? I'm tired of this question. Let's do it. Let's get it done. We're done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, give me some money. I'll be in your movie for a few minutes. What if we get um, Rick Moranis popping up for a quick... That would be the ultimate because he retires completely know, retired from. But that I would thing. say, like, as as hard as we'll all go for those guys, imagine that theater of Rick Moranis just like peeks around the corner somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, he's well, it's it's almost it's kind of a sad story. He reti- he retired from acting because his wife died, and he decided yeah, he's well. He decided to focus all his energy on taking care of his those kids. Those kids are grown now. Come on back. Yeah, was, that, how, yeah, that was how long ago. Yeah, we miss you. Come back. Make us come up. Make a cameo on Ghostbusters three, and maybe make new space. I don't think we're going to get a new Spaceballs movie ever. Oh no, I don't. I don't know if I'd want one to be honest. It's been too long, and also because uh, there weren't a billion Star Wars parodies at the time, so it was really fun. But you throw a rock and you hit a Star Wars yeah. parody now. So and plus, uh, Joan Rivers that did the voice of Dot Matrix is dead. John Candy's dead. Yeah, it wouldn't be great. And plus, they tried doing that animated series years ago that was not good. Oh yeah, I forgot all I about think that. On the uh, long since defunct, the G four yeah. video well, originally it was the Video Game Network. Yep. Uh, they had some cool stuff on G four though. I just remember Attack of the Show, and that was mainly one thing. And Olivia Munn, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Um, so you'll you'll enjoy this and put me on a thought process today. I was at work and I won't say what it was to not because it's the company I work for, but there was something just old and annoying and not working right and it was a piece of crap. You? Yes, me. <laughs> You're not wrong. But I sarcastically said, we spared no expense, you know, like from <laughs> Jurassic Park. And, you know, I'm like, I sneak in my little references for everything. Anybody but it really got it? me thinking of that line. Though, oh, I thought I was going to say, did anyone even get it? Or were you yeah, wrong? no, people got it. Um, it got me thinking about that line and I don't think John Hammond spared no expense, Maxwell. Well, he did have, he spent a lot of money on the park and the equipment, but he definitely needed more IT staff. I'll say, he, he, I don't think he spent a lot of money on park and equipment, which we'll get to, but go on, what about, oh, the IT staff is the obvious one. I think that's supposed to be like the symbol of his downfall. He paid yeah, all his money, but wouldn't pay one, Newman. One guy, the guy from Seinfeld, who completely fucks everything up, one guy knows how to do everything in the park and no one else. Yeah, that's going to turn out great. Now, I feel like once the park was running, that wasn't the plan, but they weren't even open yet. So yeah, it was just him doing everything. And it was you know Newman was trying to steal the embryos to get to the uh Dawson we got Dawson we here. got Dawson here <laughs> but anyway so that's always the one thing yeah well he didn't pay Newman well and that's what happened but 
I would like to point out some examples, and feel free to add, of John Hammond sparing quite the expense. All right. So they're on the ride, you know, dinosaurs, that ride. Yeah. With Mr. DNA. And one, I feel like if you spared no expense, you wouldn't have your real lab right there. You would have a fake lab. Like much like I just went to Hershey Park not too long ago and we do the Chocolate World ride. They're not really making chocolate right there. It's fake. You know. So wait. You're so you're saying the guy's cutting corners by showing the actual staff. That's just the first example. Don't worry, I got more. On that same ride, Malcolm and Dr. Grant, Dr. Grant says, let's stop this. You want to push? Okay, push with me. Two guys of average strength, you know, yeah. regular adult man strength, are able to lift the safety bars off the ride. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That seems like a cheap addition, don't you think? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. We see these, what is it, 10,000 volt fences just right next to the public restroom. Danger, do not touch. Not a barrier in between where you could be going to the bathroom that the <laughs> lawyer man dies and trip over a small child running around and fall into the electric fence once this park is opened. This park, I never realized how many OSHA violations this park probably has. They had a sign saying which way to the dock and which way to something else that is on a spinny wheel. They didn't even get a solid wooden sign, Maxwell. These are just a few examples of now them sparing quite the expense. Why would you need a sign with a spinny wheel for a, a, a path to two different things that are never going to change? Exactly. So uh, I'm starting to think that John Hammond John was Hammond's... a cheapskate, not a let's spend all the money aside from Newman. And uh, no wonder they fucked up so badly. Do you know, once I start, I made this stupid joke, and for the next hour, I'm sitting there blank faced at work, like going through all these examples. Also, what's John Hammond's plan? Instead of hiring a tour guide, he is going to give an individual tour to every oh, yeah. that, like, that guest at his so... park, or is this only for VIPs? Like maybe, cause... maybe it's for VIPs, and they get yeah. That's yeah. I, that was the one of the thing that always bugged me. The uh, him talking to himself video. It's like so he, he's going to be there all day, every day. Doing his little, you know, oh, Let's hi, John. people dress up in John Hammond costumes. I mean, like Disney, you know. They could do that. Like, that's, but. And then, but then like, they will, and they will, not only exactly, that, they, will, they don't have the score for the video. They were talking about, oh, we're getting this nice score. We boom, boom, boom. You know, he's getting all excited. Spared no expense. Yeah, we spared no expense. Except we didn't fucking buy and make it yet. Yeah. <laughs> you see, I think he's a cheapskate. I have, the only thing he spent money on is dinosaurs. And he didn't even, like, do the thing properly to keep them all female. He is a cheap dude. Also, uh, the man, the only people who he has come to view his dinosaur park, two of them are people on his payroll. Basically, him threatening to pull funding. He's like, oh, you'll secure more funding, a.k.a. if you don't do this, I'm cutting your funding for your little dig. Well, he no, he didn't. I mean, you're talking about um, Sam Neill and Laura Dern, right? Yeah. No, no, he, he didn't fund their original dig, but he came in and offered to... Fully. No, he did, because once he introduced him, like, oh, this is the man who funds our dig. Yeah, like, oh, he already did Oh, him. that's, that just, is that some, some, some extortion? Or, yeah, like, that, that seems shady on its own, doesn't it? Man, John, well, you have to, this puts John Hammond in almost a new light, because in the original book, John Hammond was a dick. Yeah. Like, they made him all, like, warm and, you know, fuzzy, whatever, in the movie, but in the book, like, he didn't give a fuck about anybody. He just wanted to make money. Yeah. And now that you're saying it, I mean, I feel like he, there's these layers now. Like, actually, yeah, he's all, oh, spare no expense. Oh, I look like Santa Claus. But then it's like, 
they're all gonna die. Do you know who made the choice to make John Hammond that way? Spielberg? Exactly. That is a very Spielberg thing. And I feel like if you want to get psychological here, Steven Spielberg is this guy who makes these worlds that we go to and brings us great joy. And yes, it costs a lot of money and I could do things different, but look at this. E.T. Jaws, Jurassic, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Indiana Jones. So to him, you know, he has to be seeing John Hammond as this is a man who's doing what I do. I'm not going to make him the bad guy. Wait, so it was... Is Steven Spielberg is John Hammond. Yeah. Which basically means Spielberg has some sort of deep-seated dark side that we are not... That's just bubbling below the surface. I mean, that would explain Temple of Doom. Yeah, we already saw his dark yeah. side. Uh, what else has he done that's been kind of demented? He, um, did, he did that movie 1941 that was a dark comedy about World War II that completely bombed. Oh, what? It completely bombed? Yeah. Yeah, everyone... Did it, were the bombs called Fat Man and Little Boy? What? Oh, those are the names of the nukes that were actually dropped. In oh, World okay. No, this was, it was, it was a, like I said, it was a Spielberg-directed war comedy starring John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. That sounds awesome. So I think it's, it bombed in the theaters. It didn't do well critically at the time. It's kind, it's one of those movies that's kind of become a cult classic in later years. It's been forever since I've seen it. Like, I feel like but John Hammond is like doing some tax evasion things. Saying he spent all his money on his park when secretly he has it filed away in an offshore account somewhere. I mean, that sounds like something a billionaire would do. Yeah. Okay, that's all. I just, I just wanted to make sure this was out in the open. Shady, the shading going on of Jurassic Park. That my thought process had to be broadcasted to everybody. That's all. So next time you're watching Jurassic Park, know that John Hammond's a fraud. Yeah. They eat, and who spares lots of expenses. Cuts a lot of corn. And now you think about not only did he bring along... People that were on his payroll, he brought his own fucking grandchildren to the dinosaur murder park. Yeah, he did. That's what, weird. That's. I mean, I know the the, the park, the audience is going to be towards kids, but also you are dealing with a park with live animals that, if they escape, will eat you. You have and you're testing it, and you're bringing along your very young grandchildren as well as employees, a lawyer, and a crazy. Jeff Goldblum. There's a Jeff Goldblum. They bring in a Jeff Goldblum. That's the only way to describe it. They they brought peak Jeff Goldblum. You know what makes me so upset? When Jeff Goldblum cameoed, and by cameo, his entire scene was in the trailer. Oh, for Jurassic uh, Fallen Kingdom. Kingdom. But the, if we're going to bring Goldblum back to Jurassic Park, hey, we don't give him a chance to do that snicker. That he does in the first Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we don't do that. Send him the fuck home. We don't need him. It would have been out of place in the corpse scene. Like, if he's like... Someone could have made a joke. Welcome to Jurassic World. <laughs> he would have right there. <laughs> you see? <laughs> oh, you see, uh, it's uh, the uh, dinosaurs and the... Uh, the, the uh, bu- 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 <laughs> they put my entire scene in the trailer. Who could have predicted this? I couldn't have seen... I couldn't have predicted it. Exactly. Just, I want peak Goldblum Jurassic Park. And someone pointed something out about that scene. So, it... He's testifying before whatever the courts or whatever about the dinosaurs and whether or not what we should do with them. You said it wrong. Is it what? It, testifying about what? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. In this <laughs> I'm not saying it like Why? that. Why, <laughs> Mr. But DNA? So it's. To, are we to believe that? Is there like? Is that that scene begins and ends the movie? So where does that fall in the timeline? Like does. Is he testing? I think it's because they're talking about the court hearing, so it's still that beginning court hearing, I think. 
so at the end of the movie, is it the, the different it's still, court? No, I think it's still the first court hearing. But it's after, but he does that, welcome to Jurassic World, because all the dinosaurs have been freed now. I think that's just coincidence. I, the park I, is I, called Jurassic World. I, but I thought maybe the whole scene was supposed to take place after the dinosaurs no, are free. I don't free. think we see, I don't, from what I'm assuming, I don't think it's going to be a calm world where they're having court hearings about it yet until after the events of the next one are through. I don't know. I always thought that that scene, the entire thing, took place after the dinosaurs were freed to the world, and they just the first one is like a flash forward, and then by the time the movie ends, you get to the end of the scene. I promise I didn't mean to talk about Jurassic Park this much, but since we're on it, yeah, I have a question. What did you think uh, in the Lost World? Did you like the San Diego part where the T Rex is loose in the regular world? I thought I thought it was all right. I loved it. Yeah, I thought I, that was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, well, I recently learned that people don't like that scene. Well, I know there's a lot of people that really just don't like the Lost World, the second Jurassic Park. I think Park. it's great. I mean, it's it's not as good as the first no. one. None, none of them are. None of them will ever top the first one. No. And if if you're like me, if you ever read the book, the book and the movie have like barely anything in common. Yeah. But as isn't a movie, Sadler like a student, like a college student? I don't even know. Well, in the original book, uh, uh, Jeff, we need to use this character name, Malcolm. Ian Malcolm. In the original book, Malcolm died. Yeah. And then in the in the sequel, they're like, oh, he didn't really die. It really seemed like. We need to get Jeff Goldblum back for the sequel. Michael Crichton, bring him back from the dead. They did, which is pretty much what they did. Yeah, the even the Jurassic Park, the book though, it was really I think Michael Crichton was pressured to do a sequel because Spielberg wanted to do a sequel and he wanted Crichton to, to be involved with it. But then after the Lost World, they There's had no more around. books. And I know I think Jurassic Park three and even the Jurassic World movies they borrow a lot of elements from the first two books that were never in the other movies. Oh, uh, okay. So, you told me you had some more stuff, now that I'm done dominating about Jurassic Park. Uh, yes, I did. Alright, uh, we'll move on. We talked about Ghost- well, Ghostbusters was the first topical story of I this evening. That's gonna be- I'm so excited that we're going to get to talk about a new Ghostbusters And movie. then, the second big topical story, and this one is a doozy, is the, the saga of Black Widow. Now, okay. I'm going gonna- to frame this for the audience. Okay. Oh, we-, we were taught how to say um, Yelena's actress's name. Florence Pugh. Pugh, like the bla- the blaster noise. Yes. All right. So. Not Pug, like we said. The saga of Black Widow. So we're going to get into some box office type stuff here. If that bores you, then I don't care. Well, what about me? What? I'm forced. What? Well, yeah, well, that's, you, you have I'm no kidding. choice. I know. Yeah. So it's been about, about two weeks since it came out. It opened big. It opened to $80 million. That is the biggest open box office opening since, I think, 2019. Because, you know, 2020, is, a few movies came out and then everything shut down yeah. because you know why. Anyways, we're not doing that. So, massive opening. good, Great opening weekend for, you know, COVID times. And then... Good, it, solid opening weekend regardless, yeah. too. But, and then yeah. it made an additional, like, I think close to $80 million overseas. And that's in addition... Yeah, it made... What eighty dom- even domestic and overseas? It was yeah. eighty each, and then and, and then sixty was it or thirty? It was through a Disney uh, Premier Access. It made sixty million, sixty million dollars in its first weekend. Now, inter- an interesting thing about that is it's very rare. I think I, this was the first time during all of these, um, you know, theatrical hybrid releases yeah. that n- the numbers for the uh, streaming were released. So I think Disney was like, you know feeling their own nuts. Like, yeah, look at us. We made a fucking ton load of money. Suck it, bitches. Yeah. And then Weekend 2 happened. Weekend 2, the theatrical uh, box office dropped 
over 60%. Yeah. Now, most movies that open big, that happens. That was, that was, that is bad. Like, that is excessive. Now, we have a lot of circumstances working in here. So we're not going to necessarily blame one thing. It's probably going to be a, a combination of many different factors. First, well, one, you give me what you think your biggest is, and I'll do the same back. I do. See, I, I don't think I don't have a biggest. There's, I think there's several things that contribute to this because people are already trying to spin this like, you know, this is a disappointment. Well, there's a few things to keep in mind. First, there is the fact that I think the, all the times this movie was delayed, I think the excitement dwindled. For sure. Cause it, I would I didn't get excited for it again until like going to it. Because it got delayed so many times, like and with everything going on in the world, I feel like people lost interest. Also, there is the fact that this movie doesn't really set up anything new. It takes place between Civil War and Infinity War, so you know they're really in your mind there aren't a lot of stakes because you know well, you know what happens to Black Widow. She's de- she dies in Endgame, so there isn't a whole lot they could do in this that could change anything. So that could have been a reason why people sat it out. Also, there's also the whole COVID thing. People might not be comfortable going to the theaters. So I think all of those kind of pl- played a factor into it. Yeah. I think the biggest one is people who see it opening weekend wanted to see it, whether they saw it at home or in theaters. Yeah. I did the theaters because, one, it's cheaper for me like to go see it in the theater. And, two, I, I wanted to see an MCU movie in the theater again. Now, your second weekend people are people who want to see the movie but don't really care. And if me or you, for example, were like this, and I said, oh, you want to see Black Widow? Hey, I got it on Premiere Access. Okay, I'll stop up next weekend. They make no new yeah. sale from that. Also, you, I, I thought of another thing you reminded me is the fact that People that are on the fence about it and like, I want to see it, but I'm not as hyped for a typical Marvel movie because, you know, it doesn't feel high stakes storyline wise. In like four months, it's going to be on, probably going to be on regular Disney Plus without the extra fees. Yeah. So there's some people like, I'll wait. So people are going to try to paint this. There's already people trying to say, oh, people getting tired of Marvel movies. And I'm sure there's some fucking neckbeards out there that are going to say it's because it's a woman. We know that's going to happen, but I try, choose to, to ignore that side of the internet. But I think they're saying domestically, because I, I always separate domestic and foreign, because foreign box office is also a big thing with these movies now because they cost so freaking much. They're saying it's probably going to top out at $180 million domestically, which puts it around the same amount as the first Captain America, the first Thor, yeah. and the first Ant-Man. So, like you said in our podcast, you know, tier, like, first-level Marvel movies. Yeah, it's it, it, it basically, it played out like a phase one Marvel movie that people went before Marvel was the money making machine it was now. Now people will automatically compare it to Endgame, which made two billion dollars, but you can't do that. There is no movie that come out right now that'll touch Endgame. There's no there might it could be years. Like it, it will be. It will be at least, I'm assuming, ten years until something touches Endgame. I don't know if I uh, I'm, I'm What looking, else would there be? Well, something more I'm just looking at It took them ten years to get there more True. I'm just looking at I'm looking at more of the fact that the amount with the how theaters, which theaters are open, and people's maybe hesitancy to go to movie theaters, it's going to be a year or so before theater attendance gets back to normal. Yeah. So that was part one of the Black Widow saga. Then this morning, today is Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, the twenty ninth. I was scrolling through my news feed, and then part two of the Black Widow saga came out. And Scarlett Johansson is suing the fuck out of Disney. 
on the fuck out of it. I mean, I'm being dramatic. Yeah, look, there's not too much to say on this. The the short of it is, she was promised a regular theatrical release, and she got a cut based on its theatrical performance. But seeing as they did the premiere access, she feels her contract was violated, which it probably was by the sounds of it. Because I would imagine, I, yeah, she doesn't get a cut of the streaming revenue. Exactly. And so, look, if you, you know, you ask me, you're already getting millions, why are you suing? But if you would want to sue, I guess you're in the right in that situation. Not only the fact that Scarlett Johansson is in a position where she don't have to give a fuck because she's she's done. She's done. The yeah. character is... It's out of the MCU. She doesn't have any more movies now, public left. public perception, do you want to be the person suing Marvel? Probably not. No, but the thing is, is she going to be known as the person suing Marvel or as the person suing Disney? Yeah. When you phrase it as suing Disney, I think you get I more... I think as long as she doesn't come out seeming vindictive about yeah. it and everything, is like, hey, this is what I was owed, well, this is what we agreed, and, and then everyone's going to be like, yeah, you're right. And wasn't she like a producer or an executive, She's an executive producer, producer? So like, she had a stake in the behind the scenes of it, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens. This actually isn't um, an anomaly right now. Um, I know Warner Brothers has already paid out $200 million to actors who had similar deals because this of, past year. Because of their HBO Max deal. Exactly. So this one got the most media attention because it's the first real big deal about it. Yeah. But it's it's actually not even an anomaly. Wow, that's hard to say right now. But yeah, so that that's uh, all the Black Widow news. So we'll keep you up- updated because I'm for sure that's not over. No. So Greg, you got anything on your I, pet, in your bag of tricks? I, I have a game. A game? Yes, I, I made a game because we didn't have a theme. We just did like a nonsense episode. Like, I'll make a game. Fuck it. All right. It's not a very fun game. But. Oh well, th- man, that, that's a great way to sell it. We're gonna play a game. You're not gonna have fun. But you'll have fun. So what I did, I was thinking of actor well characters who have multiple actors play them throughout the character's history all right and i'm like well everyone always likes to debate and pick their favorite so i i wrote some down i circled all my favorites and i want to see how much you line up with me and feel free to pull off all right. during any of it and everything you want me to pull off during this i mean not i mean do your own thing uh, preferably to... face away like i gotcha um so the obvious we will start batman she wasn't going Batman. really batman's the obvious Just one such in the news lately i was going spider-man my favorite Spider-Man actor. Yes. Maguire, Garfield, Holland, who you got? I'm not counting, like, the old serials and stuff. Oh, or the 70s TV show. Now, if that was your favorite, by all means. You no, no. This feels... I ready. I'm going to see how many you get. This feels too easy, but I'm going to go with Tom Holland. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, I mean, he's a very charming guy. He's a good actor. And... He actually, you believe he's a teenager because he was a teenager when he was cast as a character. Granted, he was like 18 playing 15, but when you have like 30-year-old Tobey Maguire playing 18, he's a little bit more believable. It's like, like, why is that old man on that field trip? (laughs) Well, Maxwell, it should come as no surprise. You got one point. All right. We we are in agreement. We we got one point. Anybody that says, says, if someone thinks Tobey Maguire was a good Spider-Man, Good for you. If you think Andrew Garfield was the best Spider-Man, reevaluate your life. No, I, I, I don't see people like I, I like Garfield. It's what if you liked one of those two more, I could honestly see the 50-50 split. Whereas um Toby Maguire was a great Peter Parker. Spider-Man was a little lacking at yeah. times with the quips, and Garfield was the exact opposite. So I could see if yeah. if it's one of those two, I and could I, see a 50-50 I should, split. I should clarify, I don't hate his performance, but I think you basically nailed it, is that Tobey Maguire was a good Peter Parker, not so much a Spider-Man. 
Andrew Garfield was great as Spider-Man. He had the, the, the comedic timing, the quips, and a lot of that would be could be contributed to the writing. Uh, they uh, did not go very... But I'm going with his delivery yeah. as well, too. But then as Peter Parker, he came across as too... Cool. Cool. Yeah, he's fucking skateboarding. Come on. Yeah. Wasn't he wearing, like, a punk rock t-shirt when yeah, he graduated? Yeah, he had, like, a Ramon shirt or something at one point. Yeah, and the, the hair. He, he, and he's too pretty. Yeah. We need, you so, know... Toby McGuire. There's eight, by the way. So you got one of eight so far. We got one of eight in agreement. Mm, okay. Now the next one's gonna be the tricky. One. All right. The one you already mentioned, Batman. Dun 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 dun. All not, right. We're not allowed to have ties. Are no, we? we're not allowed to have ties. You have to. In the, and I'll clarify this in case you're not sure. It's what you feel at this very moment who you would pick. So we'll go with that. At so this Batman, very moment, you know, like Adam right West, now, Michael Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Bill Affleck. You can't say name. These are. Show them some respect. Say their full names. Adam West, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. I'm sure we both picked that one. <laughs> Christian Bale and ben- Benjamin Affleck. Oh, fuck. Okay, well, this is going to be hard. So right off, I'm going to pick the three that I pick three that I have to choose between to whittle down the playing field. Okay. Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, and Ben Affleck. Okay. Those are those are everyone else goes out the window. You're you're on the track. I, I have chosen one of them. Yeah. You know. No disrespect to Adam West, but that's a very different Batman that doesn't fit in with the rest of these. Knock, knock, Joker. Val Kilmer was an okay Batman. George Clooney just showed up for a paycheck. And And nearly killed the character in the process. But that was more uh, of, you know, the the writing and the direction. He wasn't good either. Yeah, he wasn't good either, but you can't be good... Is that like that? It's like my grandfather used to say. He didn't actually say this, but he might have. You can't polish a turd. I mean, you can try... But your That's hands a pretty are, common expression. You probably said it at one point. Yeah. I mean, you could try to polish a turd, but your hands are just going to smell like shit, and you yeah. don't want that. Doing the little stink palm. Okay, so this is going to take a little longer. So now we have to narrow it to town between Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, and Ben Affleck. I'm going to eliminate one of those. We're doing like a tournament style here. Oh, I got a you know, poker face on. Okay. Uh, I can put my Django Fed helmet on. That's right there. I hate to do this. But due to sheer lack of material, I eliminate Ben Affleck. Okay. Because while I thought he was a good Batman, he basically had one and a half movies. Um, he was he was he was very prominent in Batman Batman v Superman. I and, think he had two and, and Justice, Justice League. So two at least. We want Suicide Squad's a glorified he, he cameo. Can, yeah, it was twice. So. Now, granted, I'm saying that, and Michael Keaton only had two movies as Batman, and Christian Bale had three. They but full on Batman. Yeah, it, we're talking about a Batman Superman fight slash team up movie, and we have then a Justice League full on movie. He is not well. He is one of the main characters. He is not the central protagonist. Whereas, I got yeah, you. Michael. I'm explaining for the audience. I'm filling time here. <laughs> I'm trying to sound smart while I talk about these we men. We don't need that... to filter. We're talking about Jurassic Park for 20 minutes. I'm trying to sound <laughs> smart and intellectual while I discuss the artistic merits of the performance of actors who play a man that dresses up like a fucking bat. Okay. Because <laughs> this is what you do when you grow up. Mike, but yeah, Michael Keaton you know, and Christian Bale, they were... Well, here's the thing. Christian Bale was the... Fo- Batman Bruce Wayne was the main character of those movies. You can go through the movies and you see the journey he was on. Michael Keaton, while he is a very good Batman, the villains overshadow him in both of his movies. Okay. And I, it, it, that's just a fact. I mean, it, especially in the second one. 
because I mean, the first one you just have one villain, the Joker, and that's already overpower. That's already overshadowing him because it's Jack Nicholson in full on freak out mode, and Michael Keaton's much more reserved. The second one's the villains. It's more about Penguin. It's more about his circus freaks. It's about Catwoman. Batman takes the back seat, uh, but Michael Keaton's very good as Batman. So is Christian Bale. I didn't think this would be this hard. And you you should have known. It was... uh, this... I didn't get it. That's what she said right there. I'm surprised with you. This is too serious. I can't joke around. <laughs> I am going to be controversial, controversial probably, but I think I have to pick Christian Bale. Oh, you had me at the last round. I want Keaton. Oh, that is like, once again, that is by a hair. That could change in like five minutes. Yeah, okay. But it's so hard because... Michael Keaton also was very unexpected because he was a comedic actor yeah. at the time, and he played he played that role, role very darkly. But Christian Bale, I think the performance in all three movies, because he's playing Batman with the growly voice, which he had the voices a little much. But for for the first time in a movie, Bruce Wayne is portrayed right because Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne just came across as you know. Little offbeat, but nothing. He didn't really stand out. And this one, we have the first time in a movie that Bruce Wayne does the full on "I'm an idiot" playboy act when he's Bruce Wayne yeah. to throw people off the fact that he could be, ever be a serious vigilante. And I think the amount of acting that Christian Bale had to do with that, he gets it by like a hair. Okay, and it's that, that's why I immediately have to ask. I can't do a tie, can I? Because it is no, so no close ties. for me. Because there's sometimes like I'll rewatch the Michael Keaton movies. Like, oh man, I wish I wish they had done a third Tim Burton Batman movie, which now they're doing in the comic books. Yeah, yeah, that that that, that, that was um that took a lot more time than expected. Well, the obvious follow up to that, since he has named half of them, yeah. would be the Joker. So we have Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, and Jared Leto. What about uh, live Joaquin, action? I didn't. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, uh, Joaquin. You know, it's so weird because I almost don't consider him Joker because it was such an out there. Yeah, very good though. Very important. Technically, yeah. Yeah. There is enough tie in with Batman things in that. No, it, he's the Joker. You're right. It's just such a weird Elseworlds type story that I don't. I forget. Yes. And it's this newer. one. This one's going to be a lot easier. It's going to be Heath Ledger. You know, I. Like Batman, Joker's a character that, although there's, there's been some iconic performances of him, I still don't think we've ever had a live-action performance able to nail down the Joker, per Definitive, se, yet. yeah. But I did as well go Heath Ledger. Because... So, we got two. Alright, so Jack, because Jack Nicholson did a good job as a Joker, but you also just feel like you're watching Jack Nicholson be himself. Yeah, it's like him from The Shining. Just yeah, being. and then Cesar Romero, that's just... It's hard to remove from the campy 60s aesthetic when we had so many more Batmans that are darker. Um, Jared Leto, just no. <laughs> he, I, no, no, I'm not. I, no, not you, Jared Leto. <laughs> not you. And Joaquin Phoenix, while he gives an amazing performance, and he is now the second actor to win a acting award for playing the Joker, you're right, it is very much... You can strip away the Joker and the Batman elements of that movie. It's almost the same. And it's all, yeah, it would almost be the same thing. It's basically like, I think the, the director even said, it's like, if you take something and you dress it up in these properties, people will see the movie. If this movie is just about a random failed comedian who goes nuts, people would, it would not be I don't what like it was. that idea, because I think I still would, and a lot of people would, and then you wouldn't. But have... it, it wouldn't have made a billion dollars. No, 100%, no. So, yeah. All right, 
Next, Superman. Superman. Yep. Reeves. No, full names. Don't disrespect, don't disrespect them. Chris Reeves. Christopher Reeves. I don't even know what I wrote here. It looks like Cat M. I don't know what, what that means. So Tom, oh, Kane. That's, that's Kane. Dean Kane. Okay. Dean Kane. Tom Welling. Brandon Ralph. Henry Cavill. And the new CW and Ty, Tyler Hotchlin. Hotchlin? I don't know how you say that. Okay. But yeah, Superman. This is tough because I have not watched the old Superman movies in forever. I've been meaning to, but I just haven't gone around to it. Because I know they're considered great for the time, but I know they even the ones that are good haven't aged well. Christopher Reeves is a strong contender because a lot of, when I was a kid, that that was who I saw as Superman. Uh, Tyler Hoechlin, while I really enjoy what I've seen of him on the CW show, I have not watched enough of it to make to give to give it to him. So I'm eliminating him from the running. Tom Welling, I never watched Smallville, and I honestly don't want ever. So Tom Welling's out. Um, Brandon Ralph, Superman Lives doesn't get the credit I think it deserves. I think Superman Lives is fun. I like Superman Lives. I like that movie a lot. And a lot of people say it's boring and that it's slow paced, which it kind of is. And even Kevin Smith has criticized it for being like the art house Superman movie because he doesn't punch anybody in the movie. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting interesting take on the character. But once again, Brandon Ralph only had one movie to work with. This is really down to Christopher Reeve and uh, Henry Cavill. You're on track to get the third. A third uh, match here. See, I it's follow it's follow my gut or follow what I think. No, you have to follow your gut too. I don't don't want this to be tainted. Yeah, taint. <laughs> oh, this okay. Christopher Reeves versus Henry Cavill. Oh, honestly, this is going to seem like uh, what's the word sacrilege to some DC fans. But given the fact that I feel so far removed from the original Superman movies, I'm going to have to go with Henry Cavill by default. Boom. Three. Okay. I also committed sacrilege. Look, maybe it's because I'm not a big Superman fan in yeah. general for the most part. I like what they did with Cavill. So yeah. of and my, my thing is, uh, Christopher Reeves was a great Superman, but... You didn't go Dean Cain? <laughs> I, well, I was on the list. I didn't even address him. No, fuck Dean Cain. <laughs> Fuck Dean Cain and his anti-mask Twitter rants. He's one of those people. <laughs> but, like I said, it has to do with the fact that I've seen the old Superman movies when I was a kid. And I They didn't stick with me. Like they, I didn't obsess over them, and I haven't revisited them. So, I don't know. It's, it, it, I think it's just because Henry Cavill is because, I I don't know. Three out of four so far, though. That, that's another good. tough one. But, like I said, I, I, it's been so long. Since I've watched any Christopher Reeves Superman movies, I mean that could change if I rewatched all of them. But who has the time for that? Now, I know we've been DC heavy so far. This is our last DC one. Okay, and we have the Flash, Grant Gustin, Ezra Miller, or John Wesley Ship. Wait, who's the last one? John. He was the old Flash. Old Flash. Okay. Um. Well, like very old. This one's easy. It's Ezra Miller. Oh, see, we went wrong. Oh, and Grant Gustin. That's because I never got into the Flash but TV series. But you have Supergirl when he shows up there. Yeah, but I never got into the Flash TV series. Oh, I, I love Grant Gustin. I think he's and so, I like Ezra Miller. He's good. Especially, finally, once I saw Zack Snyder's Justice League, I'm like, okay, good. And like I said, this could just be by default of the fact that I haven't seen much of the Flash TV series, so I'm just going with what I know. And the guy, you're talking about the guy who played Flash in the, the one season in the 90s? Yes. Is that the other guy? Yeah, I don't fucking remember that. <laughs> Next. We have an awesome character who weird people like to hijack his symbol, the Punisher. 
Oh, the Punisher. John Barenthal, Thomas Jane, Dolph Lundgren, or Ray Stevenson. This is another one where my lack of watching the the material, because I got when I got into streaming, the, all the Marvel shows, uh, Netflix Marvel shows, have been canceled, so I never watched the Punisher Netflix series. Pretty sure I saw the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie once when That's I was so a kid, bad, isn't it? and I can't even. That I can't even consider Dolph Lundgren. For I remember that. me and Rob watching that one night. He didn't have terrible. a skull shirt. That's okay. Thomas Jane was a decent Punisher. His, the movie wasn't great, but he was oh, all right. You bite your tongue. You I bite thought, your tongue. I said it wasn't great. I didn't say it was bad. It's amazing. Howard Saint! So Thomas Jane has strong points for him. Who was there? Was um, Ray Stevens, and he was the Punisher from Punisher Warzone. I, I remember where he just blows up a criminal doing parkour with a bazooka at one point. That, I saw that movie once. I think it was back when you used to live at your parents' side. Uh, oh, did you watch it with me? Back? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, this one, I'm going with Thomas Jane. My man. Just I get... went Thomas. I love Barenthal, too. So this was a tough one for me. But I know Barenthal has more screen time and everything. But Thomas Jane is just, to me, the quintessential Punisher. I think That's not because... to say I don't enjoy these other ones, but 100%. Also, if I remember correctly, was it Ray Winstone, the guy that played him in Warzone? Stevenson. Ray Stevenson. Okay, yeah. I think Ray Winstone was the bad guy in Black Widow. And anyway, Ray Stevenson, he was a very big dude, right? Yeah. Okay. I think Thomas Jane was a bit more relatable in terms of personality and physique. You know, he wasn't this giant mountain of a man, which some people would prefer that for the Punisher, but I think his character, his version of it was a bit uh, more human. Fair point. Next, we have the Hulk. Lou Ferrigno. Edward Norton, Mark Ruffalo, and Ed- Eric Bana. Bana? Bana? I don't know. Um, you're forgetting one. Hold on. I have to call bullshit on something. I didn't say I had all of them. I just listed some for you. You have to have all of them for this to work. Okay. Well, is this one your pick? No, but... Then I why still... does it not work? Well, this is where things get tricky, because Lou Ferrigna played the Hulk. He didn't play Bruce Banner. I said the Hulk. I didn't say Bruce Banner. But... Go, go on. Bill, Bill Bixby. He played, didn't even play Bruce Banner. He played David Banner. David Bill Bixby as Doctor David Bruce Banner. Okay, fine. So that's where things get tricky. They got the name two, wrong in the show. You have two. Yeah, that's because I don't remember why they did that. So that's where it gets tricky. So, but if you go, well, if even if you go strictly by Hulk, then it gets murky because Lou Ferrigno voice did, did voice work for the Hulk in the Incredible Hulk. Okay, and, go on. <laughs> This is far more... See, this is very complicated, but I, considering the fact that I already know my answer, I'm probably just making this way too much. It's Mark Ruffalo. Maxwell, we are closing in on a pretty good match here. Yeah. And you know what? I know we get the next one right, because I made a very softball for the last one. Okay. That was Hulk. Next, we have Venom. We, we have Topher Grace. Or Tom Hardy. <laughs> is there a way I can indicate that I'm shaking my head? Is there a way, verbally can I express a Please shaking? Please tell me that you enjoy that that's the grand finale. <laughs> we started with Spider-Man and Batman. And you waxed poetically about well, the was between Topher Grace and Tom Hardy. You see here, it's, it's Tom Hardy. Yes, okay. <laughs> Eric Foreman versus Mad Max. Who was who anybody anybody that's going to say Topher Grace? No, stop listening. Well, don't stop listening, but reevaluate your life. Well, you know what? We got six of eight. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. 
I enjoyed that last one. <laughs> uh, is there anybody you missed in there? Uh, Catwoman, I could have done. Uh, so I don't have this. Catwoman. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Anne Hathaway. And there's like played her in the Catwoman movie. Was it Halle Berry? And there's like three different people played her in the... Uh, 66. Uh, I mean, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer is the most interesting 100%. one. All right. So that's what? 709 now? Yeah. We can make this in, you know... One more, make it ten. Who else is there? Uh, Are you looking around the room right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm looking too? around. I, oh yeah, we didn't mention that we're recording this actually together. But uh, actors who played out of the duck. <laughs> See, so much of my shit's just like one one actor has played them. I mean, like ten different people have played variations of Boba Fett, but it's really just you put on that costume. Uh, Predator, no, Jason. Uh, Kane Hodder, dude. But he's not really—he's not really a superhero no. or a villain. I think we're—I think we're done at nine. Yeah, we'll call it a nine. Maybe we'll bring that back later. All right. So there we go. You have the mic probably picking that up because you're looking away from the mic around the room, trying yeah, to. That's fine. You can cut all of that. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, another topical story. I don't think I'm going to go on any long philosophical rants about this, but. Hawkeye, the miniseries. I saw a picture today. November 24th is the premiere. Yay! Did you see that picture? Of him and Kate Bishop? Yeah. Yes, I did. So, that's happening. Yeah. I look forward to it. Me too. It's, it's kind of weird. I think the thing I saw said the um, part of the storyline is Kate Bishop is just a massive fan of Hawkeye and wants to be trained by him, which immediately, like, of all the people, of all the people you could fangirl about and the Marvel Universe, you're picking Hawkeye? I don't know, man. I'm like, this dude is so good with a bow and arrow that he's with the Avengers. I'm like, that kind of, that, I could see it. But yeah, we have that coming up, so that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Maybe we won't have that stupid haircut. Don't give me hope. <laughs> and didn't he have, like, full-on tattoo, sleeve, tattoo sleeves by the end of Endgame? I don't think so. I thought he did. I don't remember. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, here's something, um, interesting i was reading up about i was reading up about this randomly and we've talked about this particular individual on the show before uh one mr quentin tarantino a very well-known and respected and sometimes controversial controversial and foot weird fetishist. oh not even i'm not even talking about foot fetish i'm just talking about the fact like oh, i was just waiting for you to say director and then we cut in and we say that no i was gonna say i'm talking about controversial in the fact that like he makes a lot of movies with white guys saying the n-word <laughs> yeah he really does but I was reading up on him, and you know, it's interesting. Do you ever think about when you re- read about projects that certain people turn down? Like, what happened if we went? What if you know we went into the Loki verse and we went down, had a Nexus event, and went down a branch timeline to see what would have happened had this person done this project? Oh, it's, of oh, it's weird because my example is always a Tarantino, and it's always Adam Sandler and a Glorious Bastards. Well, it's like Tarantino made Reservoir Dogs. And around that time, too, he had a few other scripts that he had sold and that got directed by other people. Like I said, he wrote and wrote and directed Reservoir Dogs. He wrote the script for uh, the movie True, True Romance. Have you ever seen that? No. It's a good movie. It has a lot of Tarantino. He wrote the original script for Natural Born Killers. But Oliver Stone like completely reworked it, but whatever. But anyways, after Reservoir Dogs, he's this big, you know, this is the big new director in Hollywood. Let's offer him some movies. He got offered... The direct speed, yeah, with starring Keanu Reeves, and he got offered to direct Men in Black, 
Uh, that would have been something, wouldn't it? And it's weird because those are two movies that I love, but very commercial movies, not what Tarantino makes. And obviously he wanted to do Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill. It is, it's just interesting to look at that and see what kind of world we could have lived in. Like if Tarantino had made like even a comic book movie, he was actually in works to try to do a Silver Surfer movie in the early 90s. What's this I constantly hear about Quentin Tarantino directing an R-rated Star Trek? I don't know. That that happened at least five years ago. I don't think it's happening anymore. I still hear about it every now and then. And I don't, I don't think he was ever going to direct it. I think he was involved with the writing of it and producing it. Because I don't think he would jump in. He has too distinct of a career now for him to jump onto a franchise, I think, in that capacity. But it was interesting, and I was randomly reading stuff about him. I think we had a discussion about, you know, filmmakers that think, you know, oh, we're too good for comic book movies. Did you know Quentin Tarantino is actually a huge fan of the MCU? I know he's a big comic book fan. Yeah. Well, but he's kind of, he loves the MCU. And yeah, he's heavily into like 1960s Stanley Jack Kirby. So that's awesome he, to hear. He, he's basically one of us. And I think at first some people are like, well, he makes these, you know, violent artistic movies. But then you look at it like, then he made Kill Bill. Yeah. He made Death Proof. He, he's, made, he's making high art versions of schlock movies for some of these movies. Oh, yeah. So it's it, a step away it, from Grindhouse sometimes. Well, he they, he literally did a Grindhouse movie. Yeah. The, the Grindhouse double feature was was released in theaters, Planet Terror, directed by Robert Rodriguez, and Death Proof, directed by Tarantino, and they released them as a double feature, like a three-hour double feature in yeah. theaters. But on home video, they split them into two individual releases. But I just thought it was interesting to see, you know, what would have happened if Quentin Tarantino had directed Speed or Men in Black. We would definitely Men in would... Black would be cool. I bet because this seems more style and also seems more style for the story of Men in Black. I bet it would go back to like 1950s America. Yeah. He has an obsession with, well, he's very much rooted. His influences are very much rooted in the 70s and like beforehand. Yeah. I mean, he, had, he from what I understand, we only have one more movie left coming from Tarantino if he holds his promise. I hope he doesn't. I mean... I'm I'm not I like Tarantino's movies a lot. I'm not a super fan. Yeah. Like I'm not one it. of those people who like th- puts him on a giant pestle, but no. The guy's work speaks for itself. He's great. I mean I love Now his, yeah. that's not to say he doesn't have some singers. I did not care for Hateful Eight at all. I that's I, that's one of the ones I haven't seen his entire filmography. I was huge into Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction when it came out. I liked Jackie Brown. It was kind of like a slower it's like Jackie Brown, I think, this might be a far reach. Jackie Brown was Quentin Tarantino's Jersey Girl. That's a reach, but I'll allow it. Because it was Tarantino trying to make, I think, more of a normal, conventional movie. Then immediately afterwards, he went and made Kill Bill. Kind of like how Kevin which was completely out there. Whereas Kevin Smith... Made you know his view of skew movies, and it's like I'm gonna try to make a mainstream romantic comedy, and Mindy's like, nope, I want to go back and do stuff the way I usually do it with Clerks too. Yeah. So it's it's a stretch, but I think it's like you know, it's like saying, oh, I should you know grow up as a filmmaker, and it's like I'm just gonna do what I like to do. Yeah. So I think in a way there there that's uh, there's a comparison to be made there. No, I can see it. So. But yeah, Tarantino, for those of you who don't know, Tarantino has maintained that he's going to retire from directing after his 10th movie. And I'm guessing by his math, he counts Kill Bill as one movie because, well, it was one movie that got split into two. Uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his ninth movie. 
Well, judged by his math, then, can he make sequels to any of his movies still? I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. He keeps saying that he's going to retire and work on doing a, like film analysis, like writing books and stuff like that, which, I mean, makes sense. He knows so much. He knows a ton about movies. Yeah, true. So I just thought that was a fun little glimpse into what might have been and into the mind of a madman filmmaker. <laughs> that's all I got. Are you pretty much wrapped up? Uh, so, yeah, um, I think that's what we have for this episode. Um, I think we actually we can actually plug next week's episode because we know what it is. Yeah, man, I was thinking about this. Like, I remember me and you on the old podcast way back in the day hyping up, like, getting ready to go see Suicide Squad for the first time. And then coming, I mean, then coming back from seeing it and being kind of disappointed. Yeah. But I, I can't wait. I'm now really we're, excited. But now we are seeing... The Suicide Squad. Yeah, very different. James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I think everyone knows what we're talking about. It's it's sort of a sequel. It's kind of a soft reboot. It's James Gunn getting to make a bonkers, crazy, R-rated movie with DC villains and has-been characters. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks like Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's a good one. Yeah, an R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's going to be the big selling point, that James Gunn has no restrictions As of now, it's still rated 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I do not usually give any credence to. I don't give a fuck. I stopped paying attention to Rotten Tomatoes a long time ago. I generally just... I just kind of keep an ear out, like, is it getting good reviews from, like, individual people? And they're like, oh, they want people say, overall, critics are giving good reviews. Fan reviews are, fan reviews are the reason why I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. Because shit gets review bombed by fans for the stupidest reasons. Masters of the Universe is going through that right now. Yeah. Why? Um, I did see that, but what's Have you on? watched any of it? No. Okay, one final quick story, because... I grew up, I had He-Man toys growing up. I watched a little bit of Masters of the Universe. And once again, it's one of those things that I liked in my childhood. It did not carry over into adulthood. Like, Ghostbusters stuck with me. Turtles stuck with me. Superman, the old movies didn't stick with me as well. But anyway, so Kevin Smith is the head writer on this. I believe because it's a series, so he has a team of writers. If I'm reading correctly, spoilers from the new Masters of the Universe series. What? I don't want to hear spoilers. (coughs) Well, that's that's the only way I'm going to explain why people are mad about it. Is it a big spoiler? Oh, I don't know. Are Am you going like, to watch it? Yeah, I plan on it. Am I likely yeah. to see the spoiler without, even if you don't say it? Am I likely to I'm, run I'm into I'm surprised this? you haven't okay, run into it already. Ahead. That basically, for at least the first five episodes, He-Man is not the main character. Oh, okay. It's another character named Hela. Okay. It's it's a woman main character. Okay. Do I have to say any more about no, the internet? Right, it's, yeah. it's all the neck beards who are like, oh, they fucking ruined my childhood. Why is this strong woman the main character in my show about a man in a loincloth? Now, look. Mas- okay, you, know, you know me. You know my takes on things. Like, I'm very supportive and like, oh, women in these roles because they're just roles. Like, write women as people and it will work. You don't have to make them the strong, badass type. No, make, like, do that when it fits the character. But yeah, for sure, but I'll say this: that does seem a little pandery for a show called He Man. I'm not. No, it's lie. not called He Man though. It's but it's, you called, know it's called Masters. It's of the called Universe. Masters of the Universe. But you know not, what I'm saying? Because like, technically, that's that. I think that's the catch there. I'm not a huge Kevin Smith fan, but that does seem a little pandery. And also, from what I understand, like I didn't read too much about this because I'm not. Too, don't want to get too spoilery. I'm not mad about. I, it. I think. But they, it they, seems... they, they, I think they set it up in a way that they could. They're probably going to bring He Man back into it. So I think it was kind of a, meant to be more of a 
bait and switch. Because I think they only released the first five episodes. The other five are going to be coming out another time because Netflix does that sometimes. Okay. But we're going to have like weeks of people like, where's my He-Man? Uh, yeah. I'm and, sure people are throwing a way too big of a deal about it. Like I said, in that situation, it does seem a little on the nose. Uh, much like the Endgame scene where the she's not alone and every woman Avenger shows see, up. I, I didn't mind that scene, though. I it's thought I minded it because it was a bunch of women. I minded it because it was there's so many people. One, the odds of just having all of them appear there, yeah. like with it not being a... And I'm not mad about it, but I'm like, it took me out of the moment, not because it was a bunch of women. I point to the Mandalorian season two as my example, like where it's done naturally and feels yeah. well. And like um, when the end battle, I didn't realize until someone pointed out to me, it's Mando and every other character with him. Cause Boba's just yeah. a distraction is a woman who's badass and real cool, but not done where it seems like we're doing this as lip service or something. Like that. That's my thing. I just don't want it to seem pandery. Yeah. I want it to be real. And then I really enjoy it. I get that. I also just, I can't speak to this master of the universe yeah. cause I haven't seen it. I just think the fact that this has become such a big issue in fandom is just really annoying. Oh, for sure. People we need, we need, we need Remember one... when Captain Marvel came on, everyone was throwing a tantrum. And that was another thing. They got review bombed. This goes all back to the fact that I don't trust fan reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Because, okay, let's take let's get outside. I, I know we're wrapping up, but I want to end this on a note not dealing with <coughs> the neckbeards. Is whenever um, Kong versus God, uh, Godzilla versus Kong came out, People were review bombing that because in retaliation for the fact that Warner Brothers said they are not going to restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> okay, let's so not all heroes wear capes, Maxwell. But that is just Godzilla versus I Kong know. has nothing and to I do with that except for the fact that it's made by Warner Brothers. So we're getting taking out of the sexist next beard area into the fact that people will just lash out at something because it's made by the same company and they want to try to change things and don't you no, you don't have anything better to do <laughs> i remember um i i felt proud of myself that i thought i uncovered a conspiracy and it turned out to be a legit thing but other people had already uncovered it but i found it when venom came out it was up against that lady gaga movie a star is born yeah and lady gaga fans are purposely like trashing venom so people would go see his stars more because I found the same tweet like from all these different accounts. Okay. Like, bought a ticket to see Venom, worst Marvel movie I ever saw. I left the theater. I was just so desperate to see something else. I walked into the next theater. One, you just stole. Two, it's like, and I saw a stars born, and I cried because it was so good. Oh. And I saw that from so many people. It was clearly the Lady Gaga fans just trying to get their movie to number one that weekend. What kind of crossover audience do you think there is that would have an interest in seeing both? Venom and Lady Gaga, A Star is Born, except for me, because I saw both of them in the theater. I was going to say, dude, I like Lady Gaga. I have no fucking interest in seeing that movie, though. I don't, I, I saw it with some friends. I was intrigued, and it was actually a decent movie. I don't believe if it, in if the slightest. It, if it shows up, on, if you have two hours to kill, I think it's on HBO Max. Max, well, I'm getting, I'm at least quarter-aged, I'd say, you know. Yeah, you're getting old. Yeah. I'm not going to waste two hours of this time I have left watching A Star Is Born. But anyways, the whole point was that you're you're you what you have put forth as a prime example of like is Venom versus A Star Is Born. Why? I don't. They know. have nothing to do with one another. One another. They were they were both debuting the same weekend. Yeah, or around the same time. I don't know if it was the same weekend. It was the same weekend. Oh. Yeah, because I saw both of them in theaters. So maybe I saw. I probably saw a Star is Born some a week or two down the line. But yeah, it's called The Internet is a Garbage Fire. You know what? 
instead of listening well to people trying to force their opinions up on the internet, watch it for yourself. I mean, listen to us still, but we, we we'll voice we, our opinions. We voice it. our opinions, but we understand you have yours. I want to say this, and <coughs> I sent this to the group chat, and you saw it, and I can't believe it. I never realized this. Now, you're not a wrestling fan, so the intricacies of this might be a little lost on you. Maybe. But in 2005, there's this big thing every year right before WrestleMania. Oh, I think I know. The Royal gonna, Rumble. Yeah. And what it is is 30 guys. It's two starting the ring every however long another comes out until 30 have come out. Throw each other over the top rope. Last man standing wins. It's a big deal in the wrestling. Yeah. I, I, that, well, and then yeah. you go on to main event WrestleMania if okay, you win yeah. it. So the final two in 2005, both were up-and-comers. Both came from the same developmental program called OVW. They have developmental programs? Yeah, like, you know, you don't just walk into the WWE like, or AEW. Is it like wrestling camp? Yeah, it's training Okay. Stuff. But that's where they did their developmental was in OVW. These two up-and-comers finally made to the pros, made their way. The final two were Dave Batista, Batista and John Dave, Cena. You can't see me. Yes. I know that. Much. The, those were the final two. Batista won, but that year they both went on the co-main event WrestleMania and both won their first world titles that same night. All right. Both had the same build. Dave then Batista they, and John Cena. Yes. And then they both had a huge career in wrestling through what's called the Ruthless Aggression Era. They were the two two of the biggest faces of it. And then later they both go on to star in movies directed by James Gunn about a group of unlikely heroes brought together to do good. Why had their careers followed the exact same yeah, path? Dave Bautista obviously played Drax and now John Cena's playing with the Peacemaker. Yes. How from, fucking wild is that, that is career so like trajectory for these two guys? Both. Not even that they both got these similar roles by the same director, cross-promoting the Marvel DC line, which is wild. Yeah. Like, that make this happen that, for both of these guys, like, is insane. Oh, the yeah. odds of that are, like, astronomical. That is so bizarre, yeah. they. I, I, mean, I saw it the other day, and I said to the group chat, I'm like, my mind is legitimately blown that I just realized this. So, I think this would uh, it'd be safe to say that you think James Gunn might be a wrestling fan? Not that I've ever heard of. Or just he does recognize his talent, and it's just a major coincidence. Yeah, because, and like John Cena, but he's both start with small roles here or there, almost more novelty roles. So you yeah, remember, like, John Cena's first big role most people recognize it from was that Trainwreck movie. Well, and no, he, no, is, I, he is very much a novelty. Well, not man. even that. Before that, he tried to do serious action movies. Like, I remember, I worked in a video store. I always remember seeing this John Cena movie on the shelf called The Marine. That was a WWE film. Okay. But yeah, he's tried to do legit serious action movies. And then basically he became a meme on the internet. So it was like, okay, I'm going to be me a meme actor in real life. That's when he started making comedic roles that played up the Well, you don't joke. When he did The Marine, he wasn't going full-time. It was a WWE thing. Yeah. He was still a top wrestler for a long time. Now, Batista, I don't know what Batista, uh, Dave Batista did acting-wise before Guardians. His first role I remember seeing was that the man with the golden fists or whatever. Okay. Then he was a Bond villain. Yeah, he, and then he got real lucky with Drax. He was still pretty much a novelty when Drax started. I think the Bond villain might have been around the same time as Guardians. It might have been an overlap. Yeah. But I... I then you got Blade Runner, and he's just been... Yeah, Blade Runner, I remember watching that movie, and it's like... He, he's getting his ass kicked by Ryan Gosling. I'm like, how the fuck does this happen? Until you find <laughs> out Ryan Gosling's a replicant. Yeah. And so was he, but for some reason, he was Ryan Gosling was a more powerful one. But that's all. I just thought that was very interesting. People would like to know that. Yes. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Like I said, um, 
we plug next week, we are going to be talking about the the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'm excited for so, it. It'll be a fun time. And um, I think that's all we have for today. Um, yeah, follow us on all the socials. You can find us on Instagram at Geek Positive, on Twitter at Geek Positive 37. There's a Facebook group called Geek Positive. Feel free to join. If you want more of me, you can find me on on Twitter. Well, yeah, you can't find me on Twitter, but you can find me on Fridays with Throbbing with Horror. We come out every Monday, most Mondays. So check back. Make sure you subscribe. So Dropping with horror comes out. Dropping with horror comes out Fridays. Yeah, you said most Mondays. No, I said. Oh, I meant me and you. Yeah. At that Geek point. positive comes out most Mondays. Mondays. Robin comes out on Friday. All right, and that's it. So, uh, I've been Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Ames. Later. <laughs>